Regaining our excuse for early evening drinking, welcome to Hand of Pod. Welcome ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, to episode 229 of Hand of Pod, our first of the 2016-17 Argentine football season, or at least it was supposed to be, except that we still don't know for sure whether there's going to be one or not. Um, I'm Sam Kelly, and with me this week to review um, a winter period of utter chaos and not really talk about very much football on the pitch at all is Fran Aldasha. Fran, welcome back. Hey, it's great to be back, Sam. It's very nice to be here in your lovely living room in cool. Nunez. New place. It's uh, it's good to give it a, a christening with uh, Hand of Pod. And this is definitely Nunez. This is the the uh, border of Nunez and, and Belgrano, but technically thinking. it's still Belgrano. Okay. Ah, uh, right, okay. Somewhere in... Uh, very much River Plate territory, We're in spite of the fact that Fran is, is a Boca fan. Um, five blocks away from the River Plate Stadium, approximately. Very, very close to, to Joel's place as well. So uh, we'll have to try and get the two of you together for a recording at some point. Anyway, uh, we were hoping to be joined by Tony this week, a new panellist or new regular panellist. He has been on before. Um, but unfortunately, he's, he's been kept at work, so we shall do our best to battle through with just the two of us. Um, we also have to uh, raise a glass to uh, listener John Gagliardi, who has very generously sponsored us for the first couple of months of this season. He has sent me a small donation in, um, uh, in recognition of the sterling work that he feels that we do um, in order to pay for some of our furnets. So, John, cheers. This one's on you, and thank you very much. Uh, and if you listening to this would like to sponsor future Hunter Pod episodes by giving us some money, then feel free to get in touch. Every little helps. Um, onward and upward, though, we'll get straight on. We have quite a lot to cover, and we're going to do it as, hopefully, um, succinctly as possible. So since we last recorded, we, we didn't record anything during the Copa America Centenario. We also didn't record anything after the Copa America Centenario. We were hoping to, of course. Um, but it was the same old story, so we may as well start with with that. Um, so we will discuss in a minute uh, the the fallout from Argentina's uh, failure to lift the trophy and, and, of course, Lionel Messi's resignation from the national team. Um, and then we will move on to some of the interesting uh, <laughs> political and off-pitch machinations that have been going on at the Argentine Football Association in the last couple of months, which I expect Twitter followers and um, people who, who manage to read articles and whatnot online are probably already vaguely familiar with. We'll try and um, consider them in a little more detail. And there have been a few matches to, to talk about as well, or at least to go over the results of um, in various competitions, and we'll mention those in passing, really, because there's, there's nothing particularly big to talk about. So first of all, the Copa America Centenario. Can you remember it from... Seems like such a long time ago already. I've tried to repress the memory as much as possible. 
But uh, I think the main conclusion uh, we can take from from that experience is that Chile is is an established power in the in the soccer footballing world now. I think uh, we can't underestimate them anymore, considering what they've achieved uh, in a competition that's that they had never won uh, before the two thousand. 15 and 2016 editions and I think that uh, the Argentina Argentina national team in my opinion just proved what uh, I had feared the most which was Martino not really getting a strong hold of the team and being able to impose his his philosophy on the team uh, in a manner that uh, led to results uh, because in in the in the toughest of matches, yeah, the the team fell short, and uh, and it happened once again. Unfortunately, through penalties, which is the most uh, painful way to lose a final. But I think Chile overall were the the uh, just champions. I think the I think the result was fair because Argentina didn't do enough in the final to to win the match, and I think. I think uh, I think the the change of managers was was appropriate. I think it took too long, obviously, because of the the political scandal that that ensued the Copa America. But I think Bausa is more of a balanced uh, profile in terms of a manager uh, a manager that Argentina needs. And I think I think the future looks better, especially now considering that Messi has. Uh, has announced his return to the to the national team. Yeah, I was going to try and sort of talk about the Copa America and then what we think of Bowser separately. But actually, mm-hmm. while you were talking, I realised that, in a way, the main issues that we have to talk about with the new manager, who, as, as Frances is a god or Bowser, the former San Lorenzo boss, who has just left San Paolo in order to take up the national team job... Um, the, the things that he really has to concentrate on are most are, are precisely the weaknesses that Argentina showed in, in the Copa America centenario mm-hmm. and therefore we may as well talk about the two things at, at once because mm-hmm. um, for me the, the main issue that Argentina now seem to have is, is, is one of nerve I mean there is nothing to separate them from Chile um, on the pitch over 90 or 120 minutes of football in fact when there's no trophy on the line Argentina approved twice in the last, uh, well, it's 13 months now, but at the point of the Copa America Centenario final, it was the previous 12 months. They played each other four times, and the results of the matches were two draws and two very comfortable wins for Argentina, um, with Chile winning the two penalty shootouts in the finals, which suggests that Argentina have a bit of a mental problem at getting over that final hump. Um, is Bowser going to be the man to... To, to to tackle that? I mean, how would you do it if you were in his position? I think what he's done already by calling up different strikers, I can't remember exactly who right now, but um, the the two that weren't on the um, list before. He's called Alario. Alario and, and Lucas Prato. And Lucas Prato. And dropping Iwain at least for a while, I think that shows enough to, to be able to say that, that he's heading in the right direction. I think the first thing I would have done in his position um, is is get some fresh blood in there because 
after a while of several defeats in in finals especially i think the psychological factor as you mentioned proves pivotal they have such uh bad experiences in that final hurdle that they need they need new players to come in with a fresh outlook fresh energy uh new possibility a blank slate not entirely obviously because the the players that were getting called up were predominantly the best in the world uh, out of all argentines i think the 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 selection that martino uh, undertook was was good but i think uh i think like i mentioned bausa is doing is doing well in in calling up new players that have a a different uh disposition to to tackle this new challenge that is uh the the world cup hmm. yeah um and it's a very quick turnaround that Bausa has because Argentina's first uh world cup qualifier and the first match of Edgardo Bausa's um national team career uh well as a manager at least um is a week no two weeks tomorrow uh, two weeks on Thursday, the 1st of September. It's at home to Uruguay in Mendoza, unfortunately, not here in Buenos Aires. Um, although I have still to find out whether I'm going to be sent there to watch it. Um, and yeah, as, as Fran says, Lucas Alario and Lucas Prato both called up. Prato, of course, is a player who, who Bausa has seen at pretty close quarters in Brazil exactly. um, over the last year. Bausa was at São Paulo. In fact, I think it was Prato who scored at least one of the goals in Bausa's very last match as São Paulo manager uh, because they lost 2-1 to Atlético Mineiro, who are Prato's team. Um, and I have a feeling it was he either scored one or he scored both. Um, so a player that he's very familiar with and Lucas Alario, who... Is going to be an interesting one to watch in the next few years, at least. I mean, I don't know whether he deserves uh, a national team call-up right now or not, but he's going to be there or thereabouts, you would think, for a, for a few years. I think on this podcast, I said that I preferred Alario over Caleri, mm. which isn't uh, isn't a, a minor thing to say, considering I'm a Boca fan, Yeah, and that Caleri has already made his way to Europe. And do you stand by that? Because if I remember rightly, you said that towards the start of the uh, of the year and since then obviously Caleri's um, had a pretty impressive Copa Libertadores with San Paolo yeah yeah I mean Caleri and Alario are are players of equal caliber in a sense I think uh, I think Alario just is more graceful on the ball he has more technique and uh, what he's proven is that in these decisive um Moments, he's he's he turns up. You know, he he scored that that famous goal in the Libertadores. He's been there to score important goals for River. Whereas Caleri at Boca, uh, he didn't he didn't really show up in the in the uh, in the most important of times. Hmm. Although we 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 did grow a, a huge uh, amount of affection for him because he was a he was a great player. And in Brazil, he also showed that he can score a lot of goals. But ultimately, the, um, San, Sao Paulo got knocked out in the semi-final. Yeah. Sure, so, whereas, yeah, whereas Alario joined River a year ago for the semi-finals and helped them into the final. Exactly. And, and I think Alario, it'll, it'll be a short time before he, he makes his, his way to, to Europe. I think he does deserve the call. Maybe there are other 
players, maybe Icardi in, in Italy, who also deserve a call-up. But I think it's a it's a good call-up. I think he, he would do well. Obviously, he's not going to be starting. And I think also Prato has, has had an amazing career at Vélez. He was... He was a great striker in, in Brazil. Now he's proven that he's he's he can maintain his form. So I think uh, I think those are two good alternatives up front. Do you think that speaking of you know whether Lucas Alario is the best man um, for the for the position or whether Lucas Prato is? Do you think Edgardo Balsa um, was the very best person that Argentina could have got? I at first thought that he wasn't. I, I much preferred Sam Paoli because of his attacking philosophy coming on the back of of a manager who much preferred a defensive approach as Savela and uh, and Martino admittedly he he was more of an attacking minded uh, manager but he like I said didn't prove uh, like he was able to install that in his players as much as I would have liked. So I thought Sampaoli, with the with the uh, the sheer power that Argentina has up front, I think he would have been able to to get the most out of that. Especially with the success that we, sh- we saw that he had doing just that with Chile, who had inferior players. Um, and the success he had uh, at Universidad de Chile. Mm. He won the, the Copa Sudamericana. Then, then again, Edgardo Bausa won the Libertadores with San Lorenzo and Liga de Quito. So his international experience, uh, in quotation marks, is is sufficient. I think he's a very balanced manager, like I said, who takes care of the back and the attack, which is I think is something crucial for Argentina, considering that the defense has always in the last. 20 years been a, a weak point and and that that balance he showed that at at San Lorenzo admittedly he played a lot of counter-attacking football but I don't think he'll do the same in uh, in 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 the national team but I think considering that uh, that San Paoli was tied up at Sevilla that Simeone was uh, unavailable because he just didn't want to take the job at the moment. I think Edgardo Bausa is is a good uh, is a good manager for for that for that uh, for this time. Yeah, and of course the other sort of the question within a question uh, that, um, that that was implied in what I asked as well is is not just that was he the best possible Argentine who is a football manager. It was you know would any of the others have taken the job mm. and. Therein, we move into sort of segue seamlessly almost into the, the second bit of this week's pod, um, which is about the enormous clusterfuck uh, that the Argentine Football Association has given us in the last few months. Because quite prominently, and, and probably the majority of our listeners will already be aware that uh, Marcelo Bielsa was approached for the national team manager's job when he walked out on Lazio before taking charge of a game. Um, Jorge Sampaoli was approached quite aggressively from what we hear they were um, Bianchi was interested yeah Bianchi was, who was I, interested I would have liked him. was approached um, and uh, said no Simeone was approached and the reason that so many people said no um, although Carlos Bianchi would not have said um, 
No, from from what we understand. Maradona would have done it for free. And thank God they didn't let it. <laughs> um, Much agreed. But the reason that, that, that so many of the, the very sort of the, the top guys, I mean, the, the guys in Europe at the very peak of their careers were, were turning the job down, um, is basically that who, who on earth would want to work for the AFA at the moment? Gerardo Martino stood down, not because he felt like he had to after the Copa America final defeat, but because... Well, really, because he hadn't been paid in months and months on end. I mean, the the straw that broke the camel's back was the clubs. And, of course, club directors are the same people who were Gerardo Martino's employers at the at the AFA, um, were not releasing the players for the Olympic squad. And the day after he steps down and Julio Olati Cochea, by default, comes in because he's the only coach left contracted to the AFA um, to, to manage the, uh, the Olympic um, team... Ta-da, they all appear. <laughs> so Martino had been struggling, didn't have enough players to put together a five-a-side match in training the day before, and all of a sudden, Atlético Chea is able to put together an 18-man squad, um, which suggests that the AFA had been making a bed for Martino to lie in, um, to try and force him out. But it also is just the very, very tip of, of an enormous iceberg um, of problems at the Argentine Football Association at the moment. There is no money. Uh, there seem to be very few uh, ethics... <laughs> Um, although when have those ever existed in any football governing body, I suppose. More um, than there not and there's being, no clear idea. More than there not being any money, there's a huge amount of debt. Mm. And I think the magnitude of the problem is, is evident in Messi coming out and criticizing the institution when Messi is someone who very much takes care of matters behind closed doors. Yeah. You know, he, he never publicly slams or criticizes... Barcelona or the national team or anyone he 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 posted that famous uh, famous maybe that's an exaggeration but that that picture on Instagram saying how he was very upset about the the flights that yeah. AFA had programmed for the Copa America which admittedly was a competition where there was a lot of long distance traveling to be done and in a situation where there isn't any money it's it's not a surprise that they look to maybe cut some costs there, but it just shows how uh, precarious the the situation in the in the in the AFA is right now. Mm. It does, um, and of course Messi's much talked about international retirement, which turned out to be um, so temporary that he's not going to miss a single game. Um, was as I wrote at the time for ESPN FC and for the bubble, um, was almost certainly more of a power play with the AFA and, and a, a sense of saying, you know, I'm fed up with these administrators. Um, I think it was that rather than a strop after losing a final. Um, and also maybe it, a it bit of a, a PR stunt. Yeah, potentially. It, it, was, it was certainly true that it was the only time that I'd seen completely and totally universally... Um, people being on Messi's side on, on Twitter in the hours after he, he, he said it. Exactly. Um, I mean, before there's always been at least one person somewhere who you'll eventually see retweeted, who you don't even follow. But if you spend as much time on Twitter as I do, you'll, you'll eventually see something retweeted, which will be like, oh, but I'd like to see him do that for Argentina, or come back to Newell's and do that, and then we'll, we'll praise you, or something like that. But this was the one time where, I mean, I didn't see a single tweet 
that was that was against Messi. Everybody was just saying, this is what the AFA have done. They have the best player in the world and they've managed to talk him into retiring really early from international football mm. um, and they're going to ruin it for us. Um, praise be, Lionel Messi is going to be with Argentina for a little while to come. How much of that's down to Edgardo Bausa and how much of it is down to the fact that it was essentially a pretty empty threat that Messi was issuing in the first place, we can't be sure. Um, but the knock-on effects of all of this and of the debt that Fran mentions that the AFA have and of all the wrangling uh, is part of the reason that this week's podcast is not the season preview that we were hoping to be recording when we arranged it, but is instead a winter review. Uh, the proper season preview will be next weekend, because uh, next week, sorry, because hopefully the end of next week, in theory, at the moment, is supposed to be when the Primera is going to be starting now. It was supposed to start on Friday this week. Um, the reasons for that are that the AF is in an enormous amount of debt with particularly... Um, the collectively the clubs of the lower divisions the, the B Nacional most of all and I think some of the Primera Bay clubs as well that's the third division um, so what's going on at the moment is that there have been a lot of uh, TV monies left unpaid from Football Barra Todos for last season and essentially the lower division clubs are, are, are banding together and are trying to get force the effort to, to pay by saying we're not going to start the season until we have the TV money that, that's owed to us and the Primera clubs for the moment are in solidarity with them. Um, there's been a bit of a standoff this week. Apparently the Bay Nacional clubs wanted to stop all action until all the money was paid and the Primera clubs said, look, we have to get started a week late. So I think from what I've heard, Armando Perez, who is the current head of the AFL, we'll get on to him in a second, um, said yesterday that the season will definitely be starting on the 26th of August and what some people who seem quite well connected in the AFA, uh, journalists um, like Fernando, how on earth do you pronounce his last name? Do you know? Fernando? CYZYZ or something. Cizis for La Nacion. Oh, I know who you're talking And one of the other guys. No, I don't know. They were tweeting along the lines that if there is no, if the money still hasn't been paid by mid September, then there might, or mid-November possibly, then there might be another strike during um, that month. So watch this space in those terms. Um, but there's... The AFA never give us much of a dull moment, really. There's always something to talk about. Amando Perez is the president of the AFA because I've just had a slightly extended monologue. So, Fran, would you like to um, fill in the details as to why Amando Perez is currently the head of the AFA or the head of the... Normalization committee at the AFA, we well, should say. I think uh, if we go back to the first, everything obviously started with um, with Grandona's death, having been the uh, president of AFA for how many years? How many decades? Nineteen seventy-nine to twenty fourteen, so thirty-five years. Okay, so then, if if you have that much of a prolonged period of the same person in power. Logically, there's going to be a period of of relative anarchy in the ensuing years. And that's exactly what's happening. Uh, It was more than clear, uh, this situation, when Marcelo Tinelli, who is a renowned TV personality, went uh, up against Luis Segura, who was the interim AFA president uh, for most of the time after Grondona died. 
and there was a scandal with the amount of uh, votes cast in in the decisive election to 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 um, to elect the new president, which was going to be either Segura, so confirming his his um, his power and that he'd established up to that point, mm-hmm. or Tinelli, who was more of the uh, the candidate who was proposing changes uh, in, in all of the structure, modernizing, making everything more transparent with the contracts, with all of the players, everything. Uh, he's he's also a bit of a controversial figure because he's known to to make uh, business deals with anyone and anyone and and every company. So he he doesn't really seem to have any moral limitations. But as things stand, he's 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 pulled back from any contention uh, to to the 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 presidency, and uh, and it's. The, the intervention into the AFA with Armando Perens at the helm is going to last at least until April next year, at which point there should be new elections at AFA. Yeah, this is a FIFA-led intervention, um, which, as we mentioned, I think towards the end of last season, um, was in danger at one point of, of uh, being uh, too heavily led by the Argentine government for FIFA's liking, and there was a very brief moment just before the Copa America centenario when it looked like Argentina might be about to be kicked out of FIFA. Um, that's not happened in the end. That possibly as well was something that um, was feeding into Messi's decision um, when he announced his retirement, because in fact, now I say it was before the Copa America centenario, I realise it wasn't, it was, it was shortly before the final of that tournament. Um, so it would have been very much on the players' minds, probably in the build-up to it. Um, so Armando Perez was the former... And this is actually a bit of a shame that Tony wasn't able to make it, because Armando Perez is the former president of Belgrano de Córdoba. Mm-hmm. Um, he stepped down from that position to take his current role. Which is the, a club that uh, that has done very well to consolidate itself mm. in the first division since that famous... Uh, Playoff against River Plate yeah. when they when they got relegated. Yeah, they've done fantastically, and particularly given that, as as, as Tony mentioned uh, when when he was here with us, historically speaking, and in terms of the number of, of, of fans that they have, they're arguably the third biggest club in Cordoba. Mm. Um, but uh, uh, currently, or at least I think Tacheras are back in the Primera now, aren't they, for the coming season? If I've not remembered badly, that's exactly right. Um, but until this year, they've, they've been the only Primera club for a few years. Um, so it, it, he's 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 done a, a good job. He was one of the other candidates, in fact, to be AFA president at one point, um, and now is the AFA president under FIFA's watchful eye. Um, there are two bits of the AFA which are not under FIFA's mandate still, which are the the lower league people and something or other to do with the television. The AFA are allowed to sort that out on their own, but everything else has to be done with. Um, with 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 FIFA's say so, with the TV rights also bringing the news in the last few months, with um, all of the presidents of the major clubs signing a letter yep. asking for the government to cancel the football para todo scheme, which means that imminently, God knows how in how many years or, or months, probably years, the uh, the TV uh, licensing for for first division at least football is gonna be. Uh, on cable and not for free. 
Yeah, um, so that's bad news if you're outside Argentina particularly, because it means that very probably you won't be able to watch um, as much, at least as much, Argentine football on YouTube uh, for free and without geo-restrictions as you have been for the last few years. Uh, obviously that was a process that started at the start of the year, as we mentioned at the time. Um, the government is saying that because the, the existing contract with Football Paradodos ran until 2019, um, they are going to insist that any private companies who buy the rights um, for this coming season or for next season, um, they, they're going to be obliged to keep it on free-to-air TV within Argentina, at least until 2019. So that's something good, I guess. And, and the other thing is that much as it's very nice to have all of this free football on on TV, uh, on, on free-to-air TV, and it's not even free-to-air in all of the country, it must be said, um, it is something that I think, it, it, in a way, it does have to pay for itself. It, it's an awful lot of taxpayers' money that was being spent on football paradodos when not everybody watches football in the country, believe it or not. Um, so, no, there, there, there is that. There's uh, Oh, that reminds me as well of the Superliga, which isn't happening. Uh, was going to happen, and now it's being put back by a year because they couldn't get the statutes uh, written in time for it to be okayed by FIFA. So we're going to have um, a championship, which will, as I said earlier, be previewing next week, um, of a format that we were expecting, but it won't have the branding that we were expecting. It will just be a standard AFA Primera División um, championship, and we look forward to the first Superliga next season, whatever the hell that turns out to be. I suspect it's just going to be a Primera División with marketing, Well, I mean, many people have put it. You say standard, but it's still the 30-team format. Well, it'll be 28 next season. 28. Um, by next season, and then 26, and so on. But exactly, the, the format isn't going to change. Um, or if it is, then they've not decided how. They already decided that it, if it had happened this year, the Super League, it was going to be the exact format that we're now going to have, um, with it being the Primera División. Um, which, in case you're wondering back home... Um, it's going to be very similar to the 2015 championship. Everybody plays everybody else once, but you play your classical rivals twice, and if you don't have a classical rival, then you play a rival drawn out of a hat twice, uh, home and away. Um, the main difference is going to be that instead of uh, however many relegations it was in 2015, um, there are going to be four relegations next year in June, and only two promotions from the Bay Nacional. So next season, the 20. What are we in now? 2016, aren't we? Yeah. So the 2017-18 season will consist of 28 teams. And then presumably, they've confirmed that they're going to continue relegating more teams than um, than uh, than they promote. So they're going to go four down, two up, presumably, then for the next few years. And they claim that this is going to result in a 20-team first division for the 2020-21 season. Jeez, in fact, Christ. it's going to result in a 22-team first division for that season. It will result in a 20-team first division for the 21-22 season. Um, Just so a nightmare. The, the thing is that I was able to work that out by doing by spending two seconds going, so 2017, 2018, 2018, 2019, 2019. And yet the AFA are not capable of doing this very simple piece of uh, mental gymnastics. It really makes you wonder, doesn't it? Um, what else is there to cover? Of the, uh, it's been such a long winter. Well, I mean, we could cover the 
transfer season. We could the, cover the transfer season. The transfer window, sorry. And we will cover the few matches that have been played. But before we take a break so that I can refill my glass, um, I did just want to say, first of all, one of my Olympic heroes... And I, I've, I found myself, uh, for most of these games, sort of rooting almost equally for, for Great Britain and Argentina because, you know, I, I'm not really very nationalist, basically. I just support whoever I want to win, whoever I like the most in a, in a particular discipline. Um, I was glad that Andy Murray beat uh, Del Potro in the tennis final, but if Del Potro had won, I would have been very happy for him as well. But one of my Olympic heroes has been, given the whole situation that we've just outlined, Julio Anaticochea, because he took... A completely impossible job mm. because there was no way Argentina could have expected anything other than exactly what they got, which was a group stage exit under the circumstances, which was clubs denying him players, um, people wanting to make it as hard as possible. Presumably, they've not paid him yet because they didn't pay Martino for seven months, so why on earth would they have paid Alatico Cheo already? Um, thrown into it at the last minute from the under 20 team when six months ago he was managing the women's national team only got the under 20 job because nobody else wanted it um, and then suddenly finds himself in charge of the under 23 squad a week two weeks before the Olympic Games start a team including the, the coaching staff and the Atico himself get robbed from their Mexico City hotel in a pre-tournament friendly that they played and in spite of that Throughout, he was laughing and joking non-stop every single well, time. Such a humble and uh, modest, exactly, but determined attitude. He mm. he was so driven because he knew it was such a huge opportunity for him, but also because of the pride that it, it means to represent a a national team at the at the Olympics. Precisely, I mean, it's a it's a competition that Brazil has never won, and that Argentina's won twice. I think Uruguay's won twice as well. It may not have the prestige of a of a World Cup or even a Copa America, but it was important for Argentina to go there and try to do the the best they could. And I think, given the circumstances of of the chaos that is Argentine football at the moment, I think they did an okay job with such a level of improvisation and such a short time frame to to work with that team. I think they they did a fine job. Uh, even though they didn't get through the first round, I think um, I think it was it's a good team with uh, young players, and I think Olertigocher deserves all of our our respect for having taken the job. Yeah, um, and just as I say, come across as an absolutely lovely human being as well. I mean, he was doing almost daily interviews with with Teise the second that they touched down in Rio, and was just laughing along and, and taking the piss out of the people who were interviewing him and, and all the rest of it and it was all very 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 good humoured um, in a way that certain other managers um, who may or may not have been close to the national team job I'm not saying Bowser himself but certainly some of the other candidates might not have seen quite so much eye to eye with them um, and yeah so I think Ochea I hope he's going to stick around at the AFA and I wish that the AFA had a few more figures like Onatik Ochea um, in their ranks I think Argentina Argentine football would, would be in a better state if it did um, and incidentally also how scared were you that Ricardo Caruso Lombardi might actually get the AFA job nah, from he had no chance <laughs> he had absolutely no chance I wish you'd told that to the TSA people because he was on I think just at, because at one of, point outlining his ideal starting at yeah, 11 and that went really Just viral on social media and all Argentine media mm. 
but uh, but I think it was mainly a, a ratings thing because he's such a colorful character. Yes, and he's so loved by by the people because of that. That uh, I think everyone had a good time just thinking about him. Taking it, it would have been even more ridiculous than Maradona. It let's, would. Let's just say that it would. But they actually had him covering as well as like as a journalist. They had him covering Bowser's first press conference. Um, and at first, when he popped up on screen, I, I just thought, oh, for fuck's sake, really? But he ended up making some sort of, some okay points about why he liked what Bowser was saying. Well, so. he's not a bad manager, but his expertise is saving clubs from relegation. Mm. So that's not really the, the type of manager you want at the national team level. No, precisely. Um, we're going to take a break now. When we come back, we will talk about some of the on-pitch um, action few and far between though it has been um, since the Copa America Centenario ended so don't go away Okay, welcome back. Um, football matches that have taken place since the Copa America Centenario involving Argentine teams. The highest profile, sorry from, um, were the two legs of the Copa Libertadores semi-final between Boca Juniors and Independiente del Maye of Ecuador. Um, the club, of course, who had already put the Libertadores holders River Plate out in the... Uh, it was around Last 16, 16 wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. No, I'm trying to remember whether it was that or the quarters. Um, how did they go, Fran? Um, obviously, well... How did Boca do? Boca lost, but I mean, what did you make of the, the tie as a whole, given the, the signings that Boca made over the winter um, in order to strengthen and, and, and all the rest of it? I think um, the, the signings that they made in that window were Walter Bow who is a young striker who came from Gimnasia de la Plata, the, the brother of Gustavo Bo, who has done an excellent job at, at Racing. Walter Bo is, is one for the future, so that, that's why he was signed back, because he was he was uh, a Boca youth, actually. Oh, was he? Yeah. Oh. And, uh, and Dario Benedetto, who scored uh, 26 goals in about 61 matches for America in Mexico. In Mexico, and he had a couple of injury problems while he was at Mexico, so that raised a, f- a few eyebrows when he came back to Argentina to sign for Boca, a club of uh, which he supports, for I think nearly six million dollars, which is a mm. significant sum uh, for a, a player who has never really proven himself in Argentina at a significant level because he played at Arsenal, I think. Gimnasia de Jujuy and I think another club uh, well I, I don't need to to explain how absent he was from that tie against Independiente del Valle he, he barely got a, a touch of the ball and uh, am I missing another signing? Fernando Suki Suki uh, was from Godoy Cruz who I thought was, was the best signing that you made in fact yeah, I was expecting he, him to be 
he didn't really seem to have, have a chance in the Libertadores, but I think in the medium to long term, I think he'll be very good for Boca. But at the, in the Libertadores match, especially in in the home leg, he was Boca's best player. Mm. He he really showed that he has uh, some real talent to get a hold of the ball and and distribute it. I think he's he's, he's, he's what Boca been missing in midfield exactly really, because I mean I, yeah. I made the point to someone on on Twitter a couple of weeks ago. Um, and I'm always slightly wary of, of saying things like this about Boca because, mm. of course, so many of my followers and everybody who listens to Hand of Pod are aware that I'm a River sympathiser, and I don't want to appear to be to be biased. But it's as if um, I think we're both last, pretty objective on. I, I try on to this be podcast. precisely, yeah. Um, but for, for the last sort of twelve, eighteen months, I th- in spite of the fact that they won the league last year and they've done very, very well in the Libertadores this year, not not perhaps as well as they'd hoped to, but but they've you know reached the semi-finals. That's a very respectable performance. Boca have done that by seeming to have a strong defence and a strong attack, but the midfield's been Lacking. very, very difficult to, to quantify, and, mm. and that's why I think that Suki's going to be a very good signing, because he plays a very specific role, and he does it very well, and it's precisely the kind of thing that Boca have been lacking in midfield. Somebody who's prepared and happy to get on the ball and make things happen with it. I think to complement that, uh, I know we're talking about the, the semi-final, but the arrival of Sebastián Pérez from Atlético Nacional, who were the champions mm. of the Libertadores. Just yesterday, right? Is a, yeah, he signed his contract yesterday. And I think that's great news for the midfield, especially considering Gago has two months left to go until he recovers from his Achilles tendon injury. Uh, God knows how he'll come back if he's going to be able to recover anywhere near the level we know he, he has or he has had in the past. But I think Sebastián Pérez is, is, a, is a Colombia international mm. who's, who's just won the Libertadores and he's going he's gonna to shore up that, uh, that number five position which has been interchanged between Herbes and Cubas in the last year since Gago's injury and neither really were up to the standard that Boca really needed. And neither of them are really number fives either, mm. that's the thing. And Andre Cuas is is very young, so he we, he's obviously going to get more chances. And Erbes is gone now, so so we really needed that uh, reinforcement in that part of the pitch. But overall, I think the the semi final it was it was a fair result. I think Boca really didn't do enough. I think uh, there were a couple of uh, horror performances from particularly from Agustin Orion, who's now left the club. The goalkeeper, he was uh, he was responsible for for the goal that that was ultimately the, the nail in the coffin for Boca. I think it was the the three one in the uh, in the home match, and I think uh, I think Boca, I think they suffered exactly what you're saying not not having enough presence in the middle of the park, not having enough players in the middle of the park to get a hold of the ball. And just stop and think and distribute the ball with enough uh, pause, with enough patience. I think Boca were very anxious, and I think the that played against them. And I think the the uh, the the result was was fair at the end of the day. Indeed. Um... Other matches that have been played, meaningful ones, or semi-meaningful ones at least, the only one that springs to mind is the Copa Bicentenario, the 
Oh no, hang on, there have been a few Copa Argentina games as well, but the Copa Bicentenario uh, is the very epitome um, of semi-meaningless. Um, between Racing, who won the Torneo de Transición 2014, when it was the six-month championship to get us into a calendar year tournament, uh, championship, sorry, and Lanús, who won the Torneo de Transición 2016, uh, which was the six-month championship we had at the start of this year to get us back into a season-round championship because they decided a calendar year wasn't for them after all. Um, so those two clubs played a sort of... A, well, it's like a Super Cup, really, but mm. it's not a Super Cup, um, to decide the Copa, the, the, the Bicentennial Cup because Argentina, uh, Argentine independence is 200 years old uh, last month, in fact. So happy birthday, Argentina. Um and uh, Lanús won, right? Yeah. Lanús won I, as you at tell, Racing I was, Stadium. I was enjoying what I was expecting to be my last football-free weekend um, of before the, the season starts. So we, I was out with my girlfriend all of Sunday afternoon. You can enjoy weekends without football? Oh, yeah. You can do You can do when your job is watching loads of football. I think with me. the amount of time that's passed since the last uh, tournament... I think oh, we kind of forward. had to learn to anyway. I'm looking forward to, um, to to starting to watch again. But yeah, I mean, I would agree. It's been a very long winter because normally, of course, the Argentine league season starts on... Well, the Primera season starts on the first weekend of August um, with the, the lower leagues often starting on the last weekend of July. Um, and that's obviously not been the case this year. So Lanús beat Racing um, in Racing Stadium. Racing, funnily enough, might be the destination for Agustin Orion. Um, they're, they're thinking of signing him. Um, to uh, replace the outgoing Sebastián Saja. Um, who is it who, who Boca, uh, Boca signing? Anybody to replace Orion? We've signed Axel Werner on loan oh, yeah. from Atlético Madrid, the former Atlético Rafaela goalkeeper, yeah. who is 20 years old. So it'll be interesting to see who um, who gets that number one shirt. If it's Guillermo Sara, who is more experienced mm. and also came from Atletico Rafaela or uh, Axel Werner who is a very promising young goalkeeper that is the kind of signing that I think Boca should have made because when Orion initially announced that he was going people were talking about spending millions of dollars on Agustin Marquesin um, yeah more, more on, than on six million dollars and you were thinking hang on a second Sarah is a perfectly decent goalkeeper arguably in the matches that he's played in the last six months, he's been better than Orion, who, aside from the Libertadores semi-final, had some other howlers as well last season. Um, goalkeeper, therefore, is is the one position, really, that Boca don't really need to reinforce in. They've got other more urgent areas of the pitch they need to look at, let's say. Yeah, especially um, in midfield, which, thankfully, with the arrival of, of Sebastián Pérez, mm. seems to be sort of uh, recovering but or getting reinforced uh, however you want to say it but there's rumours this week once again of Bentancur departing to Europe with AC Milan interested or Juventus signing him using him uh, as part of the option that Juventus were given by Boca when Tevez came back to to Boca to sign 50% of his uh, his his transfer uh, as a priority over any other club that may be interested in him. So 
wrestling news, as you can tell, listeners, neither of us really paid any attention to because it didn't deserve to have attention paid to. It has had one major repercussion, um, which is that in typically Argentine football fashion, and most of all in typically wrestling fashion, before it became completely clear um, that the season wasn't going to start this Friday, and therefore three days before the alleged start of the new season, uh, Racing sacked Sebastian, uh, Sebastian Saba. Saha. I'm getting confused with Sebastian Saha, the goalkeeper. They sacked Facundo Saba, their Saba, manager. Yeah, yeah. Um, allegedly as a result of this... Um, as a result of this result. Um, more likely because they were fed up with him already at the end of last season and for some reason they've waited until just now rather than you know replacing the manager at the start of the winter break as, as would make sense. Um, have Racing dropped a can of aerosol on their own foot to use an allusion to a previous England goalkeeper who managed to put himself out of a tournament by doing just that and picked up a metatarsal injury I mean have they shot themselves in the foot by doing this because as I say why not replace the, the, the manager at the start of the winter if that's already what you want to do anyway I think maybe it was hesitation because uh, as soon as the season ended, the the rumours were pretty strong that uh, Saba was going to be ousted. But uh, perhaps they, they hesitated because they couldn't think of or find a suitable replacement. And maybe they have one now. I, I don't know. If they well, don't, they, if they don't, don't have they one... Have, because apparently there was, an, there was a radio interview with one of the directors earlier today. The, today obviously being Wednesday. Um, and the director confirmed to these radio people that the only person who'd been offered a contract at that point was Gerardo Martino. Yeah, which... Uh, which is ambitious. <laughs> very ambitious. I, I saw, I think, I heard on the radio today, on on Klaus's programme on, on Continental, that uh, effectively Martino had rejected the, the proposal. <laughs> surprise, surprise. <laughs> I think he's he's going to be looking for something more uh, in Europe mm. than in Argentina. And, and more sensible all around than Racing. Mm. Um, Another so, candidate was Coca, who had just signed with Millonarios yeah. in, uh, in Colombia. Um, They're and, talking about uh, a couple of people who... Well, one of them, Lavi Bachen or something, who I've never heard of. I haven't heard of him um, either. I but think he's an internal racing coach, and I think you're promoting him to the, the first team or something. I did see uh, on Twitter uh, a uh, an outlet saying that uh, Blanco, the racing president, had said in a in a news conference that they hadn't even thought of a replacement yet. So I don't know if that's maybe like a strategy to negotiate with someone that they're already they have in their sights but I hope uh, I hope for their sakes that so you think it it might be a negotiating strategy to basically say to the guy beforehand listen mate we're not that interested in you so maybe you never know in Argentine football you really never do especially with Racing Um, so although we will as we say be doing the the full season preview uh, next week we can at least reveal so far that Racing very much continue to be Racing um and the other matches that we've seen uh, during the winter break are those of the Copa Argentina, which has had a fair few results, including one earlier today, um, which involved, it was mentioned on, which website was it? It was on La Nación. Um, and all I've seen of this is the headline, but it's, uh, it's a good one. 
if I can find it on this very long page, uh, a lower division team knocking Venice Sarsfield out of the Copa Argentina and therefore going through to the last 32. And now I'm desperately trying to find which lower division team it was because it was definitely here half an hour ago. Wasn't it Moron? It was not. I don't think it was Moron. Oh, bloody hell, it's gone now. Let's just go to the Copa Argentina website because then we can give it all of the results. Juventud Unida, that's the one. Um, they're from Salta, right? They Are they not? No, no, they're not. Which Juventud Unida is it? De Guarihuaychú. Wow. Province That's a very, very small club. Entre Rios. Indeed. Um, so, congratulations, Juventud Unida de Guarihuaychú, for going through. And Guarihuaychú is just as funny a place. The, 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 the name doesn't stop being funny. Um, when you've been in Argentina for a few years, I assure you, listeners. Um, there's another place nearby called Waliwai, and I'm doing all of this talking because I'm trying to get the Copa Argentina website up. You do a very good job Copa of it. Copa Argentina. It's... Oh, God. What's the dot afterwards? Is it dot .org? No. Let's go with dot .com. And fingers crossed. Nope, that's not it. It's just... Just bear with us two seconds, listeners. We should have got this up beforehand, but um, we didn't do. That's the one. It is .org. I knew it, but I didn't type it. That's the crucial part. Um, so the last, the, the last, the last fixture is Instituto de Córdoba against Gimnasia de la Plata. Of the that's, of that's this currently stage. being played. In fact, nil uh, nil right now. Apparently, um, the last thirty-two is this stage. This or? is the last sixty-four. 64. Juventud Unida de Entre Rios went through against Vélez and are now in the last 32. Um, or the 16th of final, as we call them on the hand of pod. Um, so the results, basically so far in August, from the Copa Argentina, because I know our listeners are very interested in this, um, are Lanús 2, Patronato de Paraná 0. Um, that was back on the 2nd of August. Banfield, Lanús' local rivals, went out to Godoy Cruz 1-0. Douglas Haig went down 3-1 against San Lorenzo. Uh, River beats Estudiantes de San Luis 2-1 on the 7th of August. That's a very narrow result, which surprises me because I didn't watch the match, but I did see uh, the TSA discussion about it the morning after, and they were all very impressed with how River had played. Well, it was 1-1 up to the 90th minute. Was that the game that Nacho Fernandez scored in? Exactly. Yeah. Um, Independiente nil Defensa Justicia 1 on the 8th of August. On the 10th, uh, Deportivo Moron put Newell's Old Boys out 1 0. Um, Moron are a. I think it's third division. division. Or they might be Primera Bay now, mightn't they? Um, so, second or third division side. I think third. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Um, division side, who are the only Argentine lower league side whose shirt I own. Um, Defensores de Belgrano went down 2-1 against Arsenal de Sarandí. Unión de Santa Fe beat Unión Aconquija, who are from... Do you know where they're from? Off the top of your head? Nope. Fran doesn't know, and he's Argentine, so there we go. Uh, Unión Union beat Unión 3-1. Uh, the Santa Fe side came out on top on the 12th. Also on the 12th, uh, Belgrano got past Huracán 5-3 on penalties after a 1-1 draw in an all-primera clash. Estudiantes de la Plata beat Los Andes 2-0 on the 13th. 
Vélez went out to Juventud Unida de Guarayuaychú, as we just said, on penalties after a 1-1 draw on the 16th of August. And right now, uh, Instituto against Gimnasia, which as of at the moment is a an all-primera clash as well, uh, is nil-nil. So the remaining fixtures... So this isn't. this is also... Last 64, and the matches left to be played are also still last 64. Yeah, this whole thing is last 64. Okay. And then you have to go to a different page to get the next round. Um, so the remaining fixtures in the last 64, some of which have already been programmed, are um, Santa Marina, uh, who are the very famous, within hand pod circles, Clubi Biblioteca Ramon Santa Marina de Tandil, um, versus Boca Juniors on the 22nd of August, which is this Monday coming. Uh, Racing versus Olimpo de Bahia Blanca on the 23rd, which is next Tuesday. And then two fixtures that have not been timetabled yet are Atletico de Rafaela against Rosario Central and Deportivo La Ferrer against Almagro, uh, which is possibly the least exciting fixture of the whole round, at least in terms of who I might have heard of who's playing in it. So I think it's the only team, the only fixture that doesn't involve a Primera side, doesn't it? Um, so those are your Copa Argentina uh, things. I would give you some kind of update on River's winter progress, but I've not been paying much attention. Teise seem very impressed with them and seem to think they're going to be potential candidates and that uh, Gachado's got his hand all back on the team. But we shall see what happens, and obviously we'll be previewing in more detail next week when I've had a bit of a chance to do some homework. Um, for now, I'm going to play a little bit more music, and when we come back we will answer a few listeners' questions, so do not go away. Okay, questions this week have been... Um, Awed's Touch, Darren Paul, asks, Facundo Saba, discuss. We sort of already did, and that we think it's idiotic for Racing to sack him this week, anyway. Uh, if they wanted to sack him, then, you know, fair enough, it's their choice, but why on earth they didn't do it in June, I don't know. Um, hopefully that's enough of a, a discussion for you for now, Darren. Fingers crossed next week we'll have English Dan on um, and he'll be able to give you something in more detail. He also says, how well will Pulpito Gonzalez do at Racing? Um, any ideas of Racing preferred 11? So to those two questions, I might say what I already said to Darren on Twitter, which is that we will be previewing next week. Um, so if you have any other questions, listeners, any of you, similarly about your own clubs um, and signings and preferred 11s and stuff, then please save them for next week because that's when we'll be dealing with them. Um, Darren subsequently then, when I pointed that out to him, says, are you getting a Lolo River shirt? No, I'm not. I don't own a River. Well, I own, I own a 1986 uh, Libertadores winning River shirt, but that's the only one I have. I don't get modern ones because they're made of horrible material. And he says, who did the best business? Again, ask us next week because at the moment we don't know who's done any business or what business they've done, apart from Fran's very succinct um summary of Boca's transfer business over the weekend. Centurion is weekend a good winter. signing for Boca. Oh, yes. Centurion. Has he been confirmed? 
Yeah, he's already trained today. This shows you how much attention I pay to the transfer window until I have to actually start writing about stuff. Um, Darren also asks, how important was Sunday's game in Sabah being chopped? Probably crucial, because if he'd, if he'd won, he'd still have his job. Yeah, and, and that sort of sounds flippant, except that it, it's it's probably the right answer. I mean, winning the Copa B Centenario might well have, I guess, not given the directors the excuse that they wanted to let him go. And so in that respect, it's maybe better that, that Racing lost this than went a couple of matches unbeaten at the start of the season and then end up getting him sat in the third round or something. Um, Kitosh Keller asks did Messi ask for some AFA guarantees before returning eventually hopefully he did that's I think no one knows that mm. as Fran said earlier Messi is a person who normally likes to do this kind of thing behind closed doors and, and not uh, air his dirty laundry in public as we say um, so we don't really know I mean presumably it wasn't just Edgardo Bowser saying listen I'm going to make you central to my team that did it for him because I mean that's a given duh yeah. right um, so presumably there was something else that went on maybe it was just completely as, as all above board and as Messi would like us to believe and, and he really did decide that yeah he still has something to offer the team after all um, who knows uh, Liam Kelly who is no relation to me says welcome back thank you Liam candidates to replace Sava. As we said, at the moment, it appears that Gerardo Martino has been the only person who's been offered the job, and it's definitely not going to be him. Um, and bizarre to get rid after losing a pre-season cup match. It is, isn't it? Yeah, in complete agreement with you there. Bob Roberts says, you guys are great for my ears. Thank you very much, Bob. Uh, are there any English language papers or websites which cover Argentine soccer? There is the Buenos Aires Herald, which um, our own regular panellist English Dan otherwise known as Dan Edwards to his friends um, writes a weekly column for still uh, having left their their in-office staff a little while back Um, Dan also runs the or or does something or other for the uh, English language South American coverage on goal.com which is pretty good I write weekly columns on the bubble which is bubblear.com.ar on the situations and as they go on in Argentine football and during the season, I'll be writing weekly uh, previews, um, general weekend ones of which matches you should watch and stuff on the bubble and also match-by-match ones for selected games on um, Cube Goal, which is an app that you can download for Android and iPhone. Uh, and I believe the English language version has been launched. I'm not sure yet, though because it's in Chinese otherwise, and if you don't read Chinese, then that might not be very useful for you. Just a quick plug, I do write a monthly column at, uh, about Boca at the macro level, so the general state of the club uh, once a month uh, for the Buenos Aires Herald. So check out Fran's column on the, on the Herald as well. Um, Liam Delaney says, can I be the first to ask for an update on away fans? You can, Liam, but we still don't have an answer for you. Sorry. <laughs> Has anybody even has, has that come up as a conversation? Do you think at any point in in these all of the ridiculous shitstorm that's been the AFA for the last couple of months inside the AFA? Yeah, I mean, like I at any so. point when they've been saying with the FIFA Normalisation Committee, this is what you've got to sort out. Has anybody at all said, "Oh, by the way, what are we doing with the away fans?" I think you have to bear in mind that the the biggest interest, uh, the biggest two interests inside AFA are Boca and River, and it's more of 
a profit for them to not have away fans because they get to fill they have more of a chance to fill up all the stands you think that's if, what it's about though I think it's influential okay I think they're not desperate to get rid of it mm-hmm. it's certainly cheaper to police as well uh, for, for those clubs who have significant away followings coming to their stadiums on a regular basis which again is Boca and River a lot of the time and, and the other big five the revenue is, is higher as long as there's no away fans. Mm. Uh, Neil with two hells says, what happened to the idea of a potential breakaway league? We sort of addressed that earlier with the Superliga thing. The Superliga wasn't going to be a breakaway league, but it had been touted as a breakaway league about two months prior to being accepted by the AFA. Um, but essentially the idea was that the AFA said, yep, okay, we'll do that for you. So it stopped being a breakaway. And then they couldn't get the statute signed, as we said, by FIFA in time. So it's going to be coming in in about a year's time. Uh, Chris Hardy says, I have a question. Um, so I told him to tweet it into us, and he did do. Uh, meanwhile, La Liga, Gav said, no question, just delighted you're back. Thank you very much, Gav. Um, Chris's question is, Reading had a... I rolled my R for Reading then, uh, which I shouldn't have done because it's in England. <laughs> Reading had a campy on trial from Racing which I have just rolled the R for, hopefully correctly, uh, but turned him down. Did we make the right decision? If it's no. Gaston Campy, is it Gaston? Is I, don't, I don't know If him. it's the Campy we're thinking of, then, yeah, maybe. He's sort of all right, I suppose. Um, Chris also says, also I have my copy of Angels with Dirty Faces. Well done, Chris. I've not got mine yet. Um, that is the new... Argentine football history book by Jonathan Wilson, which hit bookshops on uh, the uh, a few days ago. I can't remember exactly when it was. Um, we will have hopefully a pre-recorded interview with Mr. Wilson about it um, on next week's Under Pod. Um, if I can sort out Skype dates and stuff with him, so uh, check back then for some exclusive behind-the-scenes. Um, footage or just words really uh, of what his experience was like whilst uh, writing that book uh, Chris also asks how has the Olympic defeat gone down in Argentina expected Fran? yeah nobody's really been particularly angry for a change have they no or, or rather they've been angry with the AFA not with the players the headlines were mostly laying blame on the uh, directorate level mm. inside the AFA I'm quite right too um Darren is back and says, who of your mob, meaning, obviously he's directing this at me, meaning River, um, replaced Barrobero with? Uh, the answer, so far at least, appears to be uh, Batasha, who was the backup goalkeeper last season. So it would appear that River are going to be showing um, faith in him, although there has been quite a lot of talk about Franco Armani of uh, Atletico Nacional who I think that died down though just won the Copa Libertadores of course but it seems more likely now that he's going to be going to Mexico or Europe I think or possibly staying with Nacional um, one or two others but for the moment nobody and he also says what is the Copa Santa Fe <laughs> I recall the Rosario Derby he's quite right uh, Newell's played Central in the quarterfinals of the Copa Santa Fe we don't really know what it was I, think, I don't, anyway, do you? I think it's a yearly thing that they do. Yeah? It doesn't always get that much press. Um, but it's... Um, it's This year, it was reserve teams that played in the final. Right. So, I think Santa Fe... Each province, historically, had its own league. Yeah. 
So, I mean, if you go on the Wikipedia of Rosario Central or News Old Boys, you can see the amount of provincial-level titles that they have. They normally, in fact, these leagues still operate. It's just that, obviously, the biggest clubs now play in exactly. nationwide leagues. So, I mean, I think this is just a uh, just an excuse to keep some of that provincial rivalry going um, at the at the preseason stage. Indeed. Sorry, I was just stuffing my face with Chris while Fran was talking and I missed time slightly. That's quite all um, right. Tariq Al-Haida asks, what will Bowser's national team look like? Is Prato there to stay? And is there any chance that Higuain won't get a recall? So the first of those questions, I think, at the moment, it's still a bit too early to say. But as Fran kind of said earlier, I would expect it to be very subtle changes. Not really too much in the way of a complete revolution. Um, precisely because of that, I mean, most of the players, as such, can't really be argued with. I would hope that Bowser's is going to be able to find a little more in the midfield. Because funnily enough, similar to what I said a few minutes ago about Boca... Good defence, good attack, not so much in midfield. I think you could almost say the same thing about the Argentine national side. Exactly um, right. Not that the midfielders haven't been good, but that they don't... There have been times in the last couple of years where they haven't always seemed to be entirely sure of what they should be doing. Um, is Prato here to stay? If he takes chances, I mean, if he's given a chance against Uruguay or against Venezuela, and he takes his chances, then, yeah, there's no reason why not. He's still, what is he, like 28? Eight. Eight, yeah, so, I mean... Not a spring chicken, but he's not over the hill and past it already either. And is there any chance that Higuain won't get a recall? To be honest, I would think that he'll be back in the team at some point. I mean, mm. he's a very, very good goal scorer, just not in finals. <laughs> yeah, and he's going to get a lot of chances to shine at Juventus. And he's going to score a lot of goals as well. I would um, imagine so. Every club he's been at, he's scored a lot of goals. So it's going to be tough to, to reject him when he's playing at... Italy's biggest club and he's probably going to be scoring a lot of goals precisely uh, Killian our occasional panellist asks is there a specific reason that we've no fixtures this weekend or just the usual lack of organisation and as I replied to him at the time that question is a large part of the theme of this week's episode so mm-hmm. hopefully we've already answered that for you Killian but in short AFA is the reason um, Tom Robinson says good to have you back thank you very much Tom and he says, which Argentina players, if any, impressed at the Olympics? I have to admit, I missed most of the matches. I caught a big portion of the Portugal one on replay, but that was about it. Yeah, I was at work for most of the matches. Um, I, there was a couple of, of names that weren't really well known. San, I think Amar was one who was the Estudiantes number five. Um, and has been widely heralded since his performances um, as, as Mascherano's heir and a potential partner in midfield for, for uh, Matthias Kranemitter in the long term. And who did you say, Santi? Sorry, I, uh, Fran, sorry, I, I interrupted you. I think there was a Martinez that was a winger, if I'm not mistaken. Mauricio? Mauricio Martinez? That sounds like it might be a name. But yeah, I think I think most of the big names, Correa, Caleri, uh, Rulli and Go, they they didn't really have a good tournament. Rulli very much not. I felt very sorry for him in fact. Yeah. because um, it was a howler that for the particularly the second Portugal goal in the opening match. Um, but in the media the, the, they they certainly didn't pick up on any single performance that would merit a separate headline. No. Uh, Darren asks again, thank you very much for all these questions. Darren, you're keeping us going. 
He says, if you're not done, we're not yet, no. What do you make of Saha signing for that Spanish side? I thought he was retiring. Good luck to him. I, not very much there, to be honest. No idea who the Spanish side are. I don't know who the Spanish side are, but I, I definitely didn't think he was going to be retiring. No, I... Or is I that think, a joke? I think No, I think Dan um, also mentioned that uh, when we asked him about it, that um, he wasn't retiring. He was moving on somewhere else for a paycheck because obviously they're not earning very much money here. Gymnastic. Oh, gymnastic. Okay. Um, that's reasonably surprising, but uh, he's almost certainly going to be paid more on time than he was doing than he was being for Racing. So, you know, fair play to him. He can do a job at that level. I think he could have signed for a better club, that's for sure. Yeah, you think? Sarcastic. I'm being sarcastic. Oh. <laughs> um, Liam Kelly, who again is no relation, uh, is back and asks, is it the end of Icardi's chance of getting a call-up? Is Alario's call-up deserved? We've covered the second of those questions already, of course. Um, the Icardi, no, it's not the end of his chances. Of course, he's only about 22. He's going to have many, many, many more chances to get a call-up still. Yeah, I think he just needs to grow out of his more controversial attitudes. And I mean, we were kind of saying a couple of months ago, really, before the, the copper, that he, he by and large he seems to have done that. But the Argentine press seem to be a bit slow in recognising that he's done it. And I think that's what's costing him at the moment. Mm. But he, he's going to get a call-up at some point. I mean, let's not forget, Gonzalo Higuain didn't get, make his Argentina debut until he was 24, 25, because... Obviously, in his case, for different reasons, because he had a citizenship problem. Uh, France doesn't allow dual nationality, so he had to wait until he had a Spanish passport before he could get an Argentine passport. Um, but, um, you know, it's, it's it's by no means the end of his hopes, I would, I would say, for Icardi. Particularly not when he's as good as he is. Uh, Lawrence Hart says, maybe not a question for the pod. That's all right, Lawrence, we'll ask it anyway. Do they still show the bar show on Sunday nights in Argentina? I have no idea what that means. Me neither. Uh, we're going to take that as a no then, Lawrence, because neither of us know. Um, he says, oh, he's going on to explain the question. In fact, the bloke who used to present it was like an Argentine Bruce Forsyth and of the same era as Susana Jimenez. Well, Susana Jimenez is very much still around and trying to fool people that she's still 25. <laughs> so, possibly, but we don't think so. Oh, is he talking about the um, Johnny... What's his name? The singer. His first name's Johnny. I can't remember his surname. Johnny. He's, hil- he's hilariously bad. Argentine? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, very, very Argentine. Uh, I, can't, I can't think of who he means now, but I think he might... Be t- in which, if that's the answer, then, then yes. Johnny... No. Can't remember the surname. I'll try and look it up for next week anyway. If you remember it, Lawrence, then please tweet it in. Um, and finally Lawrence says a proper question for the podcast thank God for that he says is the chaos at the AFA priming Argentine football for a Premier League revolution headed by the Grandes funnily enough that's precisely what the Super League is trying to be so Premier League revolution yeah what does he mean by that well he means I'm assuming that he means an Argentine version of the Premier League which as I say is precisely what the Super League has intended Mm. us um, so yeah, although they keep selling it as a different as the Argentine version of the Spanish league, because of course if they, you know, they can't sell it to the public by saying yes, we intend this to be copying English people, because that doesn't go down well in Argentina for fairly obvious reasons. Well, I mean, there was also a lot of uh, talk um, with the new president in Argentina about clubs getting or, or the possibility of in uh, near future 
Argentine clubs getting privatized because maybe you don't know this, but all Argentine clubs are owned by the socios. How do you say that? Members. The members. The members. And um, there was a lot of uh, uh, negative reaction to that. So I don't think that's going to happen. But that was seen as a potential solution to save a lot of clubs from from the debt they're in. Negative reaction, not least, of course, because in fairly recent memory, we had Racing owned by a private company from their bankruptcy in 2001 until very recent, 2008, 2009 or something. I mean, since I've been paying attention to Argentine football and not a long time before I moved here, um, and that went uh, quite famously disastrously badly. So it's it's entirely understandable why, why fans would want to protect the ownership model. Um, but in terms of the... Uh, the idea of the, the the big clubs pushing for a new TV deal and a new league structure, that's precisely what's been happening. Um, so listen in for the next year because the fact that it's been delayed by a year but it is definitely going to be happening means that I'm sure that we'll be hearing more developments about it over the next season. And of course, Handapod will be right there to hold your hands during all of that. For now, there is no mystic production, prediction section this um week because there are no matches coming up this weekend apart from the Boca and Racing Cop Argentina games on Monday and Tuesday but we won't predict those um, so thank you very much for listening welcome back and we hope that you've enjoyed this uh, first episode of a new season and we hope to be back next weekend next weekend I keep saying weekend when I mean week we hope to be back next week with a season preview just as long as there is indeed going to be a season for us to preview um, so for now, dear listeners, thank you again to John Gagliardi for this wonderful alcohol, which I've been enjoying tremendously whilst recording. Um, and also thank you to you for listening. And thank you very much to Fran for joining me. Great to be back, Sam. Uh, let us hear your love on the uh, social media. Well, I'm not going to be recording myself doing that, but um, we shall see. Um, and uh, thank you very much to listen, for listening. And for now, good night. <laughs>